Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 welcome back to Because You Need to Know and or Understand. Um, this is from the segment uh, from the streets to the pulpit. We have uh, quite a few guest callers coming in. We also want to talk about some things that's very sensitive and uh, we're going to address a lot of cliches. Uh, but more than anything, we're going to uh, discuss how to put it in in action and, and give examples and lead more by actions versus just talking about it. Uh, it's, it's very dear because as a parent, we tend to, to want our kids to do things, but we don't show them that thing. In fact, we've become very hypocritical in the cliche of do as I say and not as I do, um, which makes it very difficult and it actually contradicts because you're not showing them anything. So I want to welcome our first caller, if you will. Uh, let's jump right in. Hey, good evening. Oh, good evening. All right. So, yeah, you have to lead by example. Um, I grew up in an era where it was, they would say, you do as I say, not as I do, but they also led by example. You know, my grandma, um, she would clean, you know, we would get up every Saturday morning and we would clean the house. And she would take part, you know, for as long as she physically could. But then once she got to a point where she couldn't do as much as she could, she had already taught me how things needed to be be done. Um, And she had taught me to do things the way she liked them to be done. Um, So, yeah, she was, you know, when you're parenting, you really have to kind of dig your heels in and, um, you know, grind it out with your kids, same as you would if, you know, if you're training an employee, if you're, if you're a manager or, you know, um, I know at some point pastor will come on, but, you know, the same, he would have, he has to kind of lead by example, you know, when he's preaching from the pulpit and, you know, he's trying to lead his church followers, you know, he also has to lead lead a life to where they they would want to follow him. So we as parents, you know, we got to do that same thing. Well, I I agree, and um, we are very thankful for our for those that came before us who who showed us, who taught us, as well as explained why it is the way it is. It's um. For me, I'm I'm really catching on because it was a health thing, and you know I want my son to eat healthier and to live a healthy lifestyle, but he didn't see me do so. But when he started seeing me do so, then uh, slowly thereafter he started to follow suit, and that and that goes even with talking to to people. You know, um, 
when you shake someone's hand upon greeting them and, and you know, introduce yourself and you're showing them respect and, and how to respect you and how you will be respected. So it all goes back to um, to the teaching. Once you teach someone something, you lead by example, uh, or you put put the footwork in with the words. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You it it absolutely does make sense. I think that sometimes we forget that. Um, kind of strange because it's like when you have children, it's almost like the mentality that they're your property. You know, you kind of take on that mentality as opposed to um, understanding that they are humans. They, you know, yes, God did give them to you, but they are people. They are individuals. They're not your property. So, um, you know, we, we kind of, because we kind of forget that, we kind of get, I won't say lazy, but kind of lackadaisical in how we teach them. And it's always, you know, you do as I say, not as I do. Um, but, you know, again, when you you hire somebody and you, you run in a business, you know, you, you get in the ground with them and say, you know, look, here here's how you hand out cards or here's how you, you know, um, get your name out there. You know, you kind of take them and you show them, well, we got to do that same thing for our kids. I'm doing that. That means Well, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. You you've got to uh, get in the paint if you're gonna teach your son how to play basketball. Uh, you can't do it from a from a joystick or from a a different perspective, you're going to have to get out there on the court and physically show him. And you may not be the best. I think the disconnect comes because we want to be the best. You want to teach them, you know, uh, only the things that we know how to do greatly versus just teaching them something, just teach them what you taught. You never proclaim to be the best or even great, hell, or even good for that matter. But it's just teaching them something. Right. Um, you know, your children, you know, I, I once heard a man uh, uh, told me that, you know, you, you teach, I guess you kind of take um, mentors and stuff under your wing and, and they say, yeah, you know, this man taught me everything I know. And then, you know, but you as a mentor would say, but I didn't teach you everything that I know. Um, I know. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. got to, like with your children, there is no harm in teaching them everything that you know because we're raising our children to be great. And even though, you know, we're not great, you know, like I may not be the great, the greatest, you know, sweet, but, you know, um, just because I'm not great at it don't mean my child won't be great. So let me teach, you know, let me show you how to sweep anyway because this may be something that you, you know, they kind of take by the horns and say, all right, you know, I got this. Well, let me sweep this way or, you know, do this angle and I'll get more of the dirt at one time. You know, they kind of figure out how it works for them and then they learn to perfect it. 
Absolutely, absolutely. You only can become great or become the best if you first you got to put the broom to the floor and just get started. Then you'll know how how good that you're going to be with practice. And even in even in, in parenting, you know, you may have multiple kids and all of them have different personalities and and different attitudes and so on and so forth. So you can't go with this this cookie cutter approach to to parenting. You you definitely must um, you definitely must treat each person as an individual. We have a new call on the line. Who's on the line? Marshall Crawford. Marshall, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How about we, yourself? Well, thank you. We're talking about the cliches, especially in parenting, as far as you do as I say, but not as I do. Uh, and you and I have spoken a great deal about these things when teaching the kid. Uh, so just to bring up speed, that's where we're at. Okay. Sounds good. So as I was saying, once once you put the broom to the floor and become the sweeper, you won't know how good or great or even the best sweeper you can be. But to just give you this, this theory without action, there will be a great disconnect. Then you will be looking to get input or insight from someone else. And they may not teach you the right way, but because you have nothing to lean on or no foundation, you will tend to blow either direction. I mean, you got to give your kids something to work with, first and foremost, because, you know, it's it's almost like sending them on a job with no tools. You know, you're telling them to, here, go cut the grass, but, you know, you didn't give them a lawnmower. So you got to give them the tools because that's the only way they're going to be or, you know, have their attempt at success. And, you know, I say success in, in anything that they may do, whether it's sweeping, whether it's a job, whether it's a sport, um, or whether it's just communicating with people. You got to be able to stand in and show them. And, yes, you did mention, you know, when you have multiple children, you you, you have to parent kind of crazy because you love them all the same. You don't love one over the other, but you have to parent them differently because the way one responds to you is not going to be the way number two responds to you. So you have to figure out, you know, um, gosh, you have to figure out the characteristics of each child and, and kind of learn them. Some children or some people can learn by saying, hey, can you do this? And they'll just pick it up and just try it anyway. Um, but for the most part, you got to kind of stand in the paint with them and show them whatever it is you, you, they, you're trying to have them accomplished. And, you know, after you teach them, you've got to sit back and, and kind of smile with your chest stuck out and say, okay, you know, you know more than, you know, you, you know more than I give you credit for. Well, I mean, you can throw a dart blindly and and hit something, you know, but is that what you what you really want? You I don't think it's fair for them to just go out and do it blindly. You know what I mean? Because just because you get lucky once 
they may think that it's all about luck. When actuality, sometimes you've got to pay attention to the lesson that's being taught. The brother Marshall, uh, he and I were talking, he has an older son, and he breaks it down to uh, to a language or uh, to to something visual that his son understands, which is sports. And in that conversation, he gave him the entire game of life and parallel it to the entire game of basketball. Which was, which yeah, to he, me was, he's was appealing to how his son learns. Absolutely. You, you appealing to the interests of his son, yeah. Marshall, would you care to, uh, yeah. Go ahead. What are you gonna say, Q? I was gonna ask you, would you care to um, kind of bring us up to speed with that that thought that yeah. you gave your son? Absolutely, and you know. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I just try to, um, I just try to determine um, where their interest is, where his interest was, but I, I didn't just always just use sports, um, knowing that when he started playing sports and the way that his mind is, is that he's always trying to analyze something, and so. I basically just use that to his advantage in saying, hey, let's take a look at basketball. You know, there are basically five fundamentals that make up the entire game of basketball. Number one are the coaches. Number two is the court itself and the boundaries that are set within that. Number three are the players. Number four are the officials. Um, and, and the rules, who established the rules, and then number five are the fans. And so as he was playing basketball, I just try to make sure that he understands that it's the same thing in life. You're going to have basically what you got to do is look at the entire playing field. And so the entire world has a certain playing field, just like a basketball court does. And within that playing field, there are rules, there are boundaries. And so we all have boundaries, and we have to understand what those boundaries are. And that's the same thing in life. You've got to understand what those boundaries are. And then there are, uh, within those boundaries of playing on, on, that, on that basketball court, then what makes up that basketball, what makes it up, are there's going to be coaches. So you're going to have coaches in your life, individuals, um, not just one coach. I'm a coach. You know, Q's a coach. We're all. We all. There are many people that are going to try to tell you how to how to go about life and how to deal with it. And some are going to give you. It's just like you know, a coach may call a play and it may not work <laughs> because he really don't understand the game that well, or he don't understand the situation that's <laughs> happening out there. So sometimes you got to be the coach on the floor. And then there's, then there's going to be players who are your teammates. And what is fundamental in his life that I try to tell him is that you got to understand who do you want to play with. We would go to the Y and we'd play. And so most of the time you, you had a pickup team. And I'd always ask him, what team do you want to be on? He was like, I want to be on the team that's always winning because they never come off. And so then obviously what you got to do is think about the people that you're surrounding yourself with and who you want on your team. And then I told him that there are officials. Officials are the ones that establish the rules. There's always going to be somebody telling you what to do, whether you're in a job, whether you're, um, you're out in the streets. Somebody is always going to tell you what the rules are 
Or they may not tell you what the rules, but they're always going to hold you to a certain set of rules. And then I said, finally, there's going to be fans. And these are individuals that are as biased as anybody that you can think of, a fan, and I, he likes Duke University. And I said, look, it, Duke can do no wrong in your eyes. I don't care how, how who they're playing or what they're doing, and they can do no wrong. And that's what fans are. Fans will stick to a team, but you got to understand who the fans are and understand what position that they're coming from and how they think. I said, if you just look at those five fundamental things about basketball and equate it to life, you, you, you'll do just fine. You'll do just fine. Taking that one example, and that's exactly how he thinks today, just from that one example, it's like, wow, Dad, everything I think about, I think about who I'm surrounding myself with. I'm thinking about what are the rules when I walk into the classroom. He's a sophomore at the University of Georgia. He's like, when I walk in that room, I know that there are boundaries and there are rules and there are guidance that i got to think about. And I'm thinking about that professor and thinking about how he's my coach and everybody's sitting in this classroom and how they're the players. He's like, I'm equating everything just thinking about that one example. And so mm-hmm. I just try to relay that to him, and I try to relay that to other young men, but not everybody understands or relates to basketball. So you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. we got to meet them where they are and try to teach them of how to navigate themselves through this thing that, that we're dealing with called life. And here we are, you know, we, we've been through some stuff, and now we're trying to teach them how to navigate and deal with it as well. Absolutely. Now, speaking of uh, being through some stuff, there's another gentleman that I, uh, just like yourself, Marshall, who I have a great deal of respect for. His name is Mr. Thompson. He has joined us. He's a little older, so I know he uh, got a little bit more insight on how to get through some things. Mr. Thompson? Yes, I'm here. Welcome. Good. Thank you. Good afternoon. Evening. Night. Good afternoon. All that. <laughs> we we're talking about um, uh, different parenting skills and and different ways to to lead by example uh, versus just uh, giving giving uh, the cliches "do as I say and, and not as I do." And I know you've been where we are a couple times over, so. To help us out with this. Well, I, I guess I basically have found in, in trying to teach your own kids, whatever it is you want them to really do, they will take information more from the parents of their best friends before they will for you. So part of my process has been what I want my kids to do, I tell their best friends, parents to tell them, and then I tell their kids what I want them to do. <laughs> Okay. So that that has been something that has worked because uh, usually uh, parents don't become smart until the children get older. And and once until that the happens, children they, older. that in fact that you were pretty smart to begin with, and that you had their best interest in mind at the time. That's true. So it, I've I've always said that. Um, you, the, the, my kids' peers have more influence on them than I do. Um, Absolutely. Although I'm financing everything, although you're seeing, but I guess I'm not cool anymore or as cool as I thought I was. Well, I would tell you that one of the one of the best things that parents have to do is they have to make sure that they don't ever become their children's best friend. 
Okay, you can you can become their best friend later in life once they're adult, but not with other kids. You need to make sure that they know where you stand, and that you're always their parent. And of course, you know, I, I, as you said, I'm older, and, and my approach has been. I've never really negotiated with children, and and because I, my parents never negotiated with me. Um, I the, the fact is that we pretty much adopt uh, the things that we hear from and the things that we're surrounded by, and we and and obviously as kids become teenagers, they want to challenge that. But again, if you want your children to be in a certain space, you have to put them there, and keep them there, and then as they try to move away from it they at least always have a foundation to come back to. And and, and I liken that also to two years ago. There was a, a concept in, in the African-American or black community called home houses, and the whole idea was that you, you bought property, you built a house, and you had land, and even if a person became destitute and so forth, they always had a home to come back to. And obviously we've gotten away from that concept because, of course, nobody wants to stay at the home house. But um, I think that the 2008 episode told us that you shouldn't get too far away from your, from your roots. You you should always have a place, to, a fallback or, or a plan B, uh, plan C kind of thing. And that's one of the things we have to always have our children understand, that they should always have a plan A and a plan B and a plan C because the best planning it doesn't ensure uh, that you're going to be successful unless you have more than one plan. Okay, and but the foundation, the, the fundamentals still stay the same. You still, Absolutely. based on what you, they were taught as kids, that's what they're going to continue to go with. Oh, absolutely. If if you think about, you know, from my perspective, if you think about children. Uh, and all of us pretty much, when when they are first coming into this world, they have no choice but to rely on you because they don't have an ability to know that they have choices, and they don't. And so whatever you put in them as they are growing, and that's why it's very important that when you tell children the first things, when they ask you questions, whatever you tell them the truth is the first time, that's what they'll hold on to. But the, when, the minute they find out that you told them something that wasn't true, from that point on, they then challenge everything that you told them. And that's why it's important hmm. to always uh, give give children the right answer as best as you know how. Now, obviously, you're human. You may not have the perfect answer. Uh, you must give them something that they that you believe and that you've been taught and that has, has worked for you uh, because that's all they have to go on. Uh, and by the well, way, but you definitely know, want to explain that. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you definitely think, want to explain that. This is to up until this is as far as I know, you know, versus yeah. it being uh, you you making a scripture and you're unsure. Well, I, th- I think Can that you, you, I think that you explain things when when you when the child has demonstrated a capacity to understand what you're saying. Uh, and as I was listening earlier, I think that you always have to kind of meet children where they are. But so much of where they are is what you gave them to put them to start with to begin with. Okay. I know. I think it was a, it was a it was a rude awakening for my son when he found out 
you know, I always read to him very early. And so I was reading him all these books and everything. And so one day he was in Sunday school and the teacher was reading him this books talking about God made the birds and the bees and all that. And he raised his hand. He said, God didn't do that. My daddy made all of that stuff. Well, and that was a rude awakening for him and for me. <laughs> and it was only because I he was took I would read to him every night and he's just like, Man, you know, and I'm putting it in animated type and next thing you know, he, he finds out that it wasn't me, it was all God and stuff. So it was like, Man So we all got a chuckle out of that and from that point on he ain't well, listened to me ever since. <laughs> oh man! And, and, and so that's, speaking of, and that's why, and that's why it's important that when you tell them something the first time, or you show them something the first time, or you read something to them the first time, that gives them a position that they can come back to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking, speaking of, um, we'll add a little guide into this. Uh, the pastor's on the line, and I know. Somewhere in the Bible, it talks about uh, teaching a kid and have him not part ways from it, something like that along the way. Pastor, before I mess it up, please jump in here. (laughs) (laughs) Good evening. Good evening to everybody. Um, I have just, what little I've heard, I've been blessed by it. Uh, It's a blessing to hear. Um, And listen, please don't be offended by this because in reality, this is the way it should be. But it's a blessing to hear black men, you know, um, speak, you know, truth to power. It's good to hear real men stand up and say, hey, look, you know, this is the way we do it. Now, again, uh, we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back or anything like that. That's like me taking care of my kids and somebody saying I'm babysitting. i not babysitting. I'm not getting paid for it. But to hear you guys, you know, um, talk about that foundation because – that's the that that's the I mean that's that's it you know um, looking at it you know through my eyes at least the Bible does talk about I think it's in Proverbs uh, it says that you know we're supposed to 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 um, bring a child up or train a child up or you know um, uh, point them in the right direction you know the way that they should go and it said when they're old they won't. Um, depart from it. Now, I didn't say that they wouldn't some kind of way in the middle when they're trying to feel themselves and smell themselves and all that. They may go on a excursion or two just as, I don't know about you guys, but I did. But eventually, you know, I came back home. I came back to my roots, back to my foundation. So I think what you guys are saying is um, spot on because, um, you know, we got to make sure that we give them truth. You know, because uh, they don't have truth. As one of you said, you know, when they start out, you know, they don't have an option. You know, they have to, you know, um, accept what you tell them. And I've got a story similar to my uh, other brother there that just spoke. Uh, I taught my son as he got a little older, got ready to go out to school. I said, look, man, I said, "Uh, don't you ever let anybody touch you. As a matter of fact, don't even let them see you, man. Don't don't get caught up in that little game. You you make sure. Don't you let nobody see you. Nobody touch you. And I mean, he had that thing down to science. The problem was my wife called and said, "You need to come and talk to this boy because she was in there and she was trying to give him a bath and he was having a fit." My daddy said, 
Don't ever let yep. anybody touch me. You know, well, that's his truth. <laughs> I, gave, I gave him his truth, but, you know, uh, I need to expound on that thing uh, a little bit, you know. Uh, and on the flip side of it, I told her, I said, well, you, I don't appreciate you touching him, but, you know, Big Daddy over here, you know, if you really want to, you know, <laughs> you wasn't trying to do that either, you know. <laughs> hey, I got to do what I got to do. I'm sorry, fellas. But, but that, 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 that taught me a valuable lesson. Let, let me give him truth because if I don't yeah. give it to him, uh, you know, somewhere down the line, somebody's going to give him something. And so uh, mm-hmm. I think that it's important, uh, especially coming out of that, that that male coming from that male voice, you know, uh, man, our, our our voice, our words have power. We God gave us the ability to, you know, if we call a young girl beautiful and blessed, you know what? They'll remember that it means something to them. But if we call them whores and prostitutes, they remember that too. So yeah, God gave absolutely. us the ability to 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 you know to say some things and. You know, I, and he said, whatever you say, that's what it's going to be. And uh, I really feel like our words have power. I really do. So uh, I don't know the entire subject matter tonight, but uh, for the five to seven minutes I've been listening, I've truly been blessed. Well, you know, it's funny. I had something similar like that. And, and I was in uh, preschool, and my grandmother was like, you don't eat, take nothing from strangers. You don't eat nothing from nobody. And, you know, woo-woo to the third. So they call her to the school and says, hey, you know, uh, boy, he ain't eating. And I get home, I'm starved out. You know, I'm eating everything she can put in front of me. So you ain't eat at school. I said, no, man. I said, why? I said, because you told me not to eat. I'm strange, you know. <laughs> to this day, to this day, I very rarely, I will not eat at anybody else's house other than my own. It, uh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. No disrespect, but I eat at home. Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting. You're right. I, I will eventually come thing. back to to that foundation. Go ahead, Marshall. I'm sorry. So it's interesting how we take those things because, you know, um, we was having some discussions with the kids. You know, growing up. You hear all kinds of things. In our age, you know, what was the one thing in Pastor Euron? So it said that money was the root of all evil. And so that's what we used to hear. So, you know, and the reason why, you know, the African-Americans, most of us are broke because we, you know, we think the money, you know, we, we shouldn't have money and all this stuff. But that isn't what it says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But what did we hear? We heard these little nitpicks and these little tibbets that said, you know, money is the root of all evil. All of us didn't want to, you know, showboat or, you know, we, 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 we didn't know we were, we were poor until now. Now we know what poor looks like, but it's all those little things. And so because we don't give them the full truth, even when we're even talking about the word of God, we don't give them the full truth or what that entire verse says. We just pick out and have these snippets. And it's the same thing of what I always told my son and daughter about the external forces. And those external forces is that idiot box, that TV, and all of that noise that are surrounding, because we can tell them all we want. I think somebody said tonight, you know, hey, uh, I tell, 
you know, my friend's parents so then they can talk to my kids because so, that's who they're going to listen to. But a lot of times there's so much information out there that they're not getting the full truth. And what we have to do is make sure if we're not giving it to them, somebody's going to give it to them. And that's what, you know, you look at all our, our old movies, you know, and what was happening in the hood, you know, hey, it was those drug dealers and those people who had money in their pockets made it seem like, you know, hey, let me give you a couple dollars. And shoot, them jokers were rich when because they, they were always giving them money. And, you know, if dad and mom can't give them money, shoot, somebody's going to give it to them. Well, absolutely. I think that more, just as important as, as the whole truth, we we definitely don't want to give them the mystery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because somebody will fill in that blank or that question that we left out. Sure. You know, like the love of the love of money versus you know for the love of money. Period. That that's that's mm-hmm. two different contexts. That means two totally different things. But we only got portion of it, which was a mistruth. You know, half truth is a whole lie. So mm-hmm. our parents essentially lied to us because mm-hmm. they left out <laughs> a word. <laughs> One word, they yeah. lied to us. So you definitely, when you, when you, when you die your kids, you, you want to be forthcoming about it in, in its entirety. My son asked me today, he said, Dad, is it okay to be attracted to a girl just for her body? The business was like, uh, nah. Daddy was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're you're 13. <laughs> I mean, all you gonna do is look anyway. So that's what it is. But as times get, as he advances in life, you know, there's more on that, that we got to build on that story. We got to have a down to give him the entire truth, the entire story. You know what I but mean? Just a quick, I got, I, I got something, I got something I'd like to ask. I mean, because I, I mean, I really want to know. You guys are hitting on something, but my question is, where do we get truth? And I say that because, okay, in what I do, I, I, I know that over the years I have um, taken the shortcut. I've, I, you know, starting out, you become a lot like your mentor, if you will, and you take shortcuts. You don't study it for yourself. You don't examine it. You don't read it for yourself. And then when you finally start reading, you're saying to yourself, man, I've been sitting here lying to these people all this time. You know, rarely do you see pastors, because um, I've been there now. I've been there. I'm guilty. I, I confess the first couple of years of um, my pastorate, man, it was like, okay, um, I got to do this. I got to do this. But I wasn't as thorough as I am now. And so um, what I found out was people were coming, and they were saying, you know, money is evil, money is evil. And I'm like, that's not true. That's not – where did you get that? And a lot of them were saying, you know, my mother, my grandmother, and a couple of them said, you said it from the pulpit. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, in this day and age, you know, with technology, they've got the recording, and guess what? It came directly out of my pie hole. So, you know – I learned that lesson right then and there. Listen, you study, as the Bible said, to show yourself approved. I started doing things in a series and making sure that we, if I have to take it word by word. Uh, and so what I'm saying is this, you know, you're not going to get truth from the uh, uh, TV. You know, that's why I call it television because it's telling you what they want your vision to be. 
you know, you're not going to get it from the radio or, or anything like that. You're definitely not going to get it from the world. And God help me, you're not getting it from the truth, from the church. So where are we going to get the truth? I mean, where, you know, um, are we going to get the genuine truth? Unfortunately, in the household, oftentimes we'll tell them what they should or shouldn't do, but we won't tell them what we've done. And a lot of times they'll listen if I say, I went there, I did this, I did. I know it's embarrassing. I know you don't want to talk about it. Makes your skin crawl. Because to be honest with me, all y'all are just sinners bound for hell. I'm the perfect person. I ain't never done nothing to get my kids feel it. The devil is a liar. But anyway, that's where we are with this thing, y'all. So where do we get our truth? Where where can we really get truth? I mean, when are we going to – if you had to tell your kids, okay, you can believe this, don't believe this, where are they getting truth? If they don't get it from church, they don't get it from school, because school you usually got – you know, where I am, you've got – um. They study South Carolina history, U.S. history. Well, the history that they're studying is uh, <laughs> not the complete history because it left out the slave ships. It left out, you know, the things that a lot of our ancestors may have had endured. So where are we getting truth? What are you going to tell your kids about truth? If anybody can, um, you know, touch on that a little bit for me. Well, from my perspective, you know, um, the one thing that I always heard is that you have to discern the word for yourself. You know, you get in the word, the word says what it says, and then you have to pray to God for, 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 uh, for knowledge and understanding of it. And that's what I've always taught them when, when it comes to understanding truth from, from a biblical standpoint. And then, mm-hmm. and then letting God provide you with that, with that, with that guidance and that counsel. And so yeah. early on, teaching them how to pray, and teaching them what to pray, and understand whose they are, and understanding that everything else is is a source um, to be a seed. And so I always, so my the way I have always taught them, where do they get the truth from? Is number one. The Word of God, because that's how, for me and my household, is the Word of God, and that's what we stand on. And then you discern it for yourself. So even if I tell you something and you don't have that understanding or you don't know, you go to the Word for yourself, and you read it for yourself, and you have that own, and you pray to God and get that understanding according to the Word. That's, you know, in a nutshell, where where we started from. That's where I right. help them to to start from, from that basis. Mm. But, yeah, there's still yeah. a lot of questions. You're right about the African-American <laughs> history and about yes. history in general. And, man, yes. and my daughter, whew, she, she, she she's taking a whole <laughs> other level, even more so than my son. Like, wow. Those women, boy. <laughs> they help, well, us, un- they help us understand that, you know, some stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, with that, I think that um, in conversations like this, you know, to help you get a clear understanding, because it does say it's leaned out on your own understanding. It also talks about mm-hmm. seeking wise counsel. So mm-hmm. if I go out here and just teach my son based on my limited knowledge without having this this round table uh, yeah. meeting, I think that that's where the truth lies, because some things or some questions may come about that you need clarification. 
mm-hmm. because you may uh, misunderstood something or you wasn't clear of of something. So you go and speak to those that you trust. So the truth mm. definitely comes uh, from your own research, but also to expand mm-hmm. on that, you got to have a conversation with those that you trust. Like like yeah. Marshall was saying earlier when he was mentioning the, the, the team, you know, when you, when you talk about the team and you talk about the coaches, well, right now is the time for you to use your coaches yeah. because you trust them, because you, you believe that they have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's, 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 but, but I, that's good. I think one thing, one thing I would say to, to, to that is we have to make sure that we are willing to accept the truth is, 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 not, is, is never changing. The truth is always the truth. Oh, and right. it's withstanding over time. And one of the ways that you get truth and you retain truth is you have to be guardians of your mind. And, and I say that all the time. We let too many things, we leave the doors open for too many things to possibly come in. An example of that is when you have something that is a yes or no question, and anytime someone tells you it's yes and no, then that is a signal to you that you're not going to get the truth to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, and, and because, because, you know, if, if you were talking to me and, and let's say I'm physically located in South Florida or whatever, and you ask me, is it raining outside? Well, the truth is that if I look out the window and it is raining and, it, and I say it's raining, then it is. But if I don't even bother to validate and I just tell you, no, it's not, then you happen to be standing outside the door because you're talking to me on a cell phone. Once you mm. once you lose that confidence in me from that point on, anything else I say, even if it's the truth, you won't believe it. Mm. Well, it's the same thing, you know, believe me. You know, white America have everybody to believe that black men are, you know, pimps and drug dealers and basketball <laughs> players and football players and athletes, but not CEOs and everything else. And so what, you know, I tell them, go, you know, research it for yourself. I mean, the internet for our kids is, 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 you know, the world to them. So I, I tell my kids, you could, they would be like, well, how come we can't go to, to Africa? How come we can't go to, I say, you can go any place you want, get on that internet. It'll take you wherever you want to go. And and so you got to seek it out and you got to don't just let anybody tell you anything. Don't mm-hmm. just let anybody tell you anything. And I used to always ask him and I used to always tell him, I said, how do you know, how do you know that the, that the wind is blowing? You know, I mean, classic example. How do you know the wind is blowing? And he's like, what do you mean, dad? How do you know the wind is blowing? What What does the wind look like? I don't know what the wind looks like. I said, so how do you know the wind is blowing? He's like, well, I can tell because the trees are moving because of this. And I said, you know what? That's just like your faith. You know what? You'll see the evidence. You'll see the evidence. Mm. You may not know what faith looks like, but you can see the evidence of your faith. And you can see the evidence Mm. of truth as well if you just put your mind and don't let anybody just tell you anything. I just downloaded this article today. It's called Black Men Making it in America, the engines of economic success for black men in America, and I sent it to my son and every, and I was like, and he, he, and he sends back to me. He's like, Dad, this is what you always been telling me, and I was like, Absolutely, 
there are black men all over this. We've been we've been successful since the day of time. You know, God's a black man. I mean, I was like, look, we've we've been very successful. Don't let anybody just tell you anything. Well, just to show the importance of truth, uh, you know, everybody's got their own interpretation, and I have no problem with that because, again, I know my truth. But the Bible Mm -hmm. says something amazing. We we put so much emphasis on finances, on uh, prayer, and all and all those things are great, mandatory. But the Bible, this is what it says something amazing. It said, uh, "You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free." So, in other words, they say money's. Didn't say money's gonna set me free. Didn't say I prayed literally, and after I finished praying, I still felt felt bound. You know, the only thing that sets me free is truth. If I know I've given you truth, I don't worry about you know um, what you think of me. If I know that I'm living, you know the truth. If I know that you know I've received the truth, it's a different feeling. And, and you guys know this, you know, when someone is being truthful with you than when they're lying to you. There's a there's a there's a there's a there's a inner man that will let you know, you know, something's not right about this. This is not settling in my heart and my spirit. So in other words, the truth is invaluable, man. It it's it, it said that, you know, um the truth is what makes us free. That we we've gotta stand on, you know, our truth. We gotta live our truth. We gotta speak our truth. We gotta um uh, you know, everything that we do should be based off of truth. You know, I can't walk around here, you know, here I am a grown man and I'm still wearing a, a throwback jersey from when I was 14 that comes halfway in my belly. And, you know, that's not my truth. That's not who I really am. And, you know, so uh, the truth is what brings about that freedom. And I think when we share it with our children, when we demonstrate it in the world, when we tell everybody, as his brother just said, you know, You've had black CEOs forever. It's that the black CEOs are not uh, publicized. It's the ones that are that aren't doing well. That's the ones that they glorify and put in front of the camera and things of that nature. So, truth is important, guys. It, truth, truth. I mean, without truth, I have nothing. You know, and um, I'm ready to see all of us stand up and, um, you know, truthfully be a black man, truthfully be a man truthfully be a, a, a business owner, you know, uh, truthfully be a husband. You know, a lot of good-looking women out there. I see them all the time, whatever, whatever. But I took a vow to my wife, and I gave her my truth. I said, to death do us part. And I know all y'all are holy, and I know y'all, none of y'all were ever tempted, but there's some people come through my office sometimes. And I said, Lord, thank you. Help me to stand on truth. You know, but but we gotta we gotta do that, man. We gotta y'all laughing at a brother's pain. Y'all need to pray for him. No, I ain't never been something, boy. <laughs> see, see, y'all need to lay hands on him right now tonight. You know? <laughs> oh my god, man! Oh my god! But that thing slaps us on every side, man. It's like uh, to give you an example, I. Um, when I started this pastorate that I'm in now, uh, I went to a local supermarket, and people, you know, the name was getting out there because they like the latest and the greatest. It's not that I was doing anything extraordinary. It's just I was just the flavor of the month, basically. And what they did was um, 
I went, I paid for my stuff, speaking to folks, shaking hands, kissing the babies, doing the thing. And when I got ready to leave, you know, they gave me um, my money, and I stuck it in my pocket. And I noticed how the girl was looking at me. She was looking at me kind of strange, and, you know, uh, I joke around a lot, and I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe something to this. What is, why is that girl looking at me like that? But there was something just disturbing me. And before I drove off, I just happened to pull the uh, thing out, and she had given me, I'll just say, $10 extra. I don't know if it was 20 or 10 but whatever she gave me, it was a little extra or whatever. And um, I went back in the store, and I went back over to her, and I said, sweetie, I, you know, sure you didn't mean to do it or whatever, but you gave me some extra money. And she never told me, but someone else in the store shared with my wife that she just wanted to see if I was real or not. That was her words. So she was trying me, man. She was trying me. And I could have, you know, lost a lot of credibility and character and all this other stuff over 10 to 20 bucks, you know. But the truth is, you know what? You gave me too much. You're going to get yourself in trouble, possibly get me in trouble. It's not worth all that. Let me go back and, 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 and square this. Let me go back and do So we got to be careful, man, because the enemy's out there, and he don't want us living truth. Because that truth is going to free us. It's going to free our heart, our mind, our lives, and um, it's going to free us with God because that's all God's looking for, for us to live truthful, you know, to really be us. So I'm going to shut up and let Q talk now because I know he got something to say and I need to keep the $10 or what. I know he got something to say about it. No, no, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in if you didn't earn it, (laughs) it ain't yours. You know what I mean? You oh, yeah. in error, you know, you go back and, and you straighten that. Uh, sometimes in, in the shop, I'll, I'll have somebody that, that gives me a little more, and I'm like, you know what you gave me? You know, not in, in a sense of uh, of to, to, to deceive you, but to just make sure that, you know, it is what it is because your, your credibility is always being questioned, and it's not, and it may not even be intention, but you ain't never said that to me, man. You ain't never said that to me. Those those two dollars that uh that you left on the counter, man. I need those two dollars, man. Shoot. <laughs> But the integrity is, is is not what's what's done, you know, while people are watching. But also when there's an, a mistake, or or even when nobody's watching, you still got to maintain that that level of integrity, you know. Um, so you did the right thing, and and no, I'm not gonna say keep it because I don't. One thing about me, I will not ever steal from anybody. Now I, I ain't gonna say I, well, I won't do to somebody, but stealing. <laughs> It's not one of the things. <laughs> so we got one that won't steal, and the other one's not tempted. So we we we're batting a thousand tonight. That's good. Good company, man. Good company. You're in good company, Marshall. He uh he's 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 that guy who's uh who's gonna give it to you, and he gonna show you how to how to do it, and he will inspire you. Along the way, but you gotta oh, watch yeah. him. You gotta watch him because the brother he uh, 
He is that. He is he is a brother, you know. He's gonna make sure that uh he call you on it because he go actually he living it. So he gonna tell you, hey bro, uh that 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 shit you did the other day, that wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like he gonna call you on. It. He's not just gonna gonna let it let it die like that. Just so you know, I I trust him and I believe if he said if he if he said those two dollars was left up there, now when he come back I'll make sure he know he got a two dollar credit. <laughs> I want no trouble out of him. Y'all are funny, man. Y'all are funny. But but no, nah, it's 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 just it's just goals, you know, you wanna be you wanna be truthful and honest, especially to those uh to everyone. But especially to to those that that you call, consider family. Remember, family would do, sometimes do you more harm than friends or even an enemy. You know what I mean. So you definitely want to take care of those that take care of you in every regard. You know what I mean. If it's physical, if it's health, if it's danger, well, it doesn't matter. You definitely want to look out because one of the things that I found this day and age that that's one thing we don't do anymore. We don't we don't go out there and yell at the kid for crossing the street without looking. We just oh well that's not my problem or turn the, turn turn the, a, 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 a deaf ear or a blind eye we can't do that that's not how we were raised hell we had the whole community looking out to make sure you got home safely you only lived two or three blocks but everybody was looking out they wanted to make sure that you got home safely that's the community that I come from amen brother So we got to get back to where we came from. I mean, Pastor, you were talking about it earlier, about the truth. You know, we got to take it back to the beginning. If we're going to take it back to the beginning, let's take it back to the beginning. Well, that's that's the only thing that's going to – that's the only thing that's going to um, ensure that we make it. I mean, just because I live by the truth and I live the truth and, and, you know, and and all these things. There's no guarantee that that people are going to accept my truth. But you know, I'm of the belief that if I do it truthfully, then if nothing else, I know that I got the hand in the favor of God with me because I did it the right way. You know, I didn't I didn't steal it. I didn't you know none of this other stuff. You know, I did it the right way. And you know, we talk about how the truth will hurt. You know, and it may set you back for a minute or whatever, but the the truth will also help you sleep better, you know. It'll help you to hold your head up, you know. And it's amazing how the world is built off of lies. But when you go to court, they ask you to put your hand on a Bible and say, do you swear to tell? There it is, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, you know. And, um, you know, um, unfortunately, some kind of way, uh, we've allowed um, the world to – kind of infiltrate our mind like the brother said earlier and even though we have truths we also know that we have options you know something that would give us immediate gratification and and regardless of whether you think it's going to favor you benefit you you got to stand on your truth you got to do that you got to i mean i joke around a lot you know you know when i'm talking with you or whatever i'll, I'll joke around about women you know, other women and things of that nature, you know, whatever, whatever. But I can honestly say, without my wife even being present, you know, that uh, I have never physically put my hands on a woman. I've never physically, 
you know, um, you know, went against my vows with my wife, you know. And, you know, I can be honest about the temptation. Yeah, it's been there, but, you know, so if you say I sinned in my mind, maybe I did. I, I'm not going to deny that. But, you know, I've been truthful, you know, in my marriage. I, I really have. So I, I thank God for that because, for me, the real truth comes out of me when I'm away from um, uh, uh, everybody. You know, if I say that I'm, you know, um, for you guys, if I say I got your back, okay, if I got your back, then whether I'm near you or not, I'm not going to do anything to hurt you. That's that's my truth. That's what I stand on. And so um, it's missing in the world now. I mean, business is set up off of, you know, um, uh, corrupt corruptness and things of that nature. So the truth is important, guys. We we got we got to get back to it. We got to get back to it some kind of way, and we got to live it. You know, and um, I'm ready to see it myself personally. And I don't think it'll ever go to the next generation until we uh, pass it on. Mm. Okay. So what's so my next question would be, what's the charge here? What's the charge? Not everybody at one time. Well, I guess I would say to you, a lot of it is about identifying a need and focusing on that need and getting enough surroundings to commit to it, to see it to the end. And by that, I mean we uh, we allow too many things to be options. To, mm. when, you, when you leave the door open, anyone can walk in. And, um, I, you know, I, I, don't, I was never a Boy Scout, and, and I'm not a fraternity guy and so forth and all that. But I think at the same time, be, being an example is one thing, but you also have to have what, what do you, most of the time objectives of what it is you're trying to do are never clearly stated. And so, therefore, uh, as the newness wears off, people uh, go away from it. So I think a lot of it is about identifying what it is we're trying to do, who we're trying to do it for, how we're going to do it, what's the time frame to do it, and uh, and stay committed to that and build build something around it so that it it's, it uh, continues to go along after we are gone. And um, you know, and maybe it's a formalized that has to take place. Um, and I'm I'm not against technology, but I think that technology makes things not real. And so I'm more of a hands-on meeting kind of uh, having uh, conversations where people can ask whatever they want to ask, and we seek out the answer. But, again, we have to have a goal in mind. And how do we know whether we succeeded or not? Mm. Okay. Now, one thing that uh, there's there's someone else on the line that who's just been sitting back, uh, observing all this 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 not this this knowledge that these brothers putting out. Uh, if we can get a woman's perspective on this, because in our children's lives, uh, the women folk plays a very important role as well. Um, so my wife is on the line 
and I believe she can give us some female or motherly perspective. I figured you were going to call me out at some point, um, but honestly, I, I've been sitting and I've, I've kind of been learning and, and been enjoying the conversation. Um, I can say just a couple of things. From from my perspective, I think that women or, or moms, I think that we are not the greatest at, um, I guess, closing that door for myself. I find myself giving my children options because from my perspective, I'm trying to teach them how to make decisions. Um, And so oftentimes um, there are some subjects that are, that are are conversations and maybe they should be, maybe they shouldn't be, you know, I kind of just got to, you know, if, if I slip up, then my husband catch me on that and, and just say, no, that's not an option. But, um, we ca- we do kind of tend to do that, give our kids options. And then as far as truth, you know, at everything everybody said is right. Um, you you got to give your kids truth. You got to give them your truth. Um, for, for me as a mom, it starts reading the Bible, reading the word of God, and, and just letting them know, you know, how this thing all started, letting them know, um, this this is where you come back to. You know, I don't know what life is going to take you to, what life is going to take you through, but um, at any point there will always be a verse in here that will bring you back home and bring you back to who you are. Um, so, And that starts when they're young. And, of course, you know, life takes them down different roads. And, you know, again, if, if you start it while they're young, then when, you know, when we get old, um, or when they get our age, older, then it kind of comes full circle and they they kind of understand this thing and they can kind of pass it on. Okay. Well, there, you, there you have it. So essentially it's going to take all of us getting together and um, I guess I guess pushing it forward, taking it back to our roots versus getting lost and caught up in this modern day or this modern way uh, of, of teaching and, and parenting and community. Um, and Mr. Thompson, you being the, the, the senior brother on the line, with all due respect, you know, um, you can give us a, a little bit more history behind how it was done. And, and I guess <laughs> without, excuse my, my terminology, but in the, in the, older time or the original time because you were doing it well before I was, I was thought about. Well, I guess, I guess the, the problem is kids, uh, first of all, parents are becoming parents much younger and mm-hmm. parents, you can't pass on to someone something that you don't have. And we have moved away from having individual teachings and it's kind of ironic we're having this discussion. I, I, one of my coworkers, and I was telling my wife about this tonight, one of my coworkers is a godmother uh, to, to a young man, and uh, his mother wanted the two of them to have a conversation with him about the birds and the bees. Now, the way they elected to do it was the young man was home with his mother. The mother then FaceTimed my coworker, who's a young female, 
And they had a conversation with him by way of FaceTime. Okay, that's their choice, and I'm not I'm not judging. But I, something as important as this, it would have it would have appeared would have made more sense. Or if you're going to do it anyway, to do it in person. But technology allows you to move away from any personal involvement, any personal feelings, any personal responsibility, until it doesn't. Because unfortunately now what you're seeing, and, and, and I, if you've been following any of the news over the last, I guess the last three days, or maybe the last four days, you know, you've got the father of it. So this after the Sandy Hook killing, he uh, apparently killed himself. You had two kids down in South Florida that were uh, uh, survivors of the shooting, and, and, and they, they took their own lives. The, the whole idea that we are allowing technology to take over and do the things that people ought to be doing in person. Now, obviously, I'm just giving you my perspective. I believe that, uh, and, and I'll, I, because I want this to be somewhat lighthearted, I, I, was, uh, I was told a story one time about, uh, and Ms. Monica, you can appreciate this, um, where there was a woman and a man, and they loved each other, and he uh, got, had to go to, to Vietnam to serve. And so he told her, now, when I'm gone, I'm going to write you every day. And to his word, he wrote her a nice love letter every day. Well, at the end of his tour, he comes home, and he gets home just in time for her wedding day. Now, Miss Monica, who was she marrying? I hope it was him. <laughs> it was the mailman. Uh-oh. Now, why was she, now, why was she marrying the mailman? And so he asked her, he said, I, I, I told you I would write you every day. And she said, you did. And he said, I, I give you all these good words. She said, that's true. But you see, he's the one that brought it to me. How about that? <laughs> so, so I guess my point I'm trying to make is that, that there is no substitute, as far as I'm concerned, there's no substitute for personal involvement. And I know pastors on the line, I don't have any problem per se, with, with churches and with, with uh, the Internet and all of that. But I think whether you're talking about church or whether you're talking about the Internet, if you've had a concert that you've watched on television, and and I'll use Frankie Beverly, I think most of you guys can identify with who Frankie Beverly is because he's been around for about 50 years. But if you watch a Frankie Beverly concert at home on television, it's one thing. But if you've ever been to one of his concerts, you don't go to sit down because if you go to Frankie Beverly concert to sit down, you're not going to be able to see him because people are energized and they stand up. So I'm saying to you that, that from, from my perspective, if you really want to change in human nature and, and the caring and the feeling, you have got to take move away from the technology because what, you, what you're seeing it, it happen is, and by the way, whatever technology you have, it's not a matter of if the battery is going to die. It's only a matter of when. And when it does, the first things out of a child's mouth is, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And, and there is no reason for any, really for any of us, but clearly for young minds to ever be bored. And, and uh, if you ever saw this movie, and it was a, a Jada Pinkett movie where the, the, the ladies robbed the bank and all that. And, and, um, Blair Underwood was the banker, and he taught Jada that whenever you want to visit a place, you can always do it, and he did it with books. 
Mm-hmm. That's how I grew up. Uh, I mean, I'm old enough to, to and, and you know, it's kind of funny because when I talk about black and white television, well, you know, the fact of the matter is there was a time when television was just that. It was just black and white. And so uh, we we laugh about those things. And, and, and by the way, uh, a lot of times, and, and one of the things that I do uh, as I encounter people, uh, I do recommend things that had quality to them. An example is there's a, there's a guy named Sidney Portier. He's actually still alive, and he was in a movie, and he won an Academy Award for it many years ago called To Serve With Love. And that particular show, if you watch it all the way through, of course, you've got to be looking for it. But he took people that were totally disrespectful of themselves and others. And the way the, the movie ends is... The, the the young ladies are still attractive, but they got clothes on. The young men are still cool, but they got a jacket and, and, and so forth on. And that was a turning point. And and I think that what I'm saying to you is that, that, that the technology that we have today allows too much individualism and one-on-ones where, and, and I'm, I'm going to date myself, but, but this thing about where you can just pay, get on your phone and play Candy Crush or whatever just hours at a time is not valuable because at the end of the day, there's nothing in that where someone actually hugs the kid. And, 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 and I don't mean in a, in, a, in a pedophilia kind of way, but I think that we maybe we can agree that personal touching makes a difference. And I'll say this, and then I'll be done. About about 10 years ago, there in New York, uh, there was a lady, they had a situation where there were a lot of crack babies being born, and they were dying within the first few days of their birth. And there was a lady, her they just called her Mother Hale. She, can, and, and several of the kids actually also had, had uh, were HIV. She would go in and start hugging the little babies and singing to them. And something very interesting happened. The children started to survive. Now, I'm going to fast forward it now. Now in New York, they actually have people who have apparently plenty of money and plenty of time. And they don't look like us, but they actually go to the hospitals and they hug and sing to the babies. So, so much of, of, of the things that we need as a basis we were born with and we have shot, we have given it up for the new and the shiny and the trinket, and it hasn't served us well. So I, I, my perspective is uh, you have to put that personal quality time in, and that's the thing that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, there we have it. It is very, it's very simple, um, just it's very very simple. Just go back to to the basics. Before the technology came about, we interacted person to person. Uh, so that's what probably we need to go. Let's let's add more humanity. And I always talk about uh, the human side of things. So we need to get back to the human side and move away from the artificial technology or the the virtual friends just to get for it to make sense, if you will. It, only to me, maybe. Well, you know, Q, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of and Ms. Monica, I think you're still there. I'll give you an example about uh, black men and black women. In general, 
most black women that are over the age of 40 have the same hairdresser that they had over the last 20 years. Not because other people can't do their hair. They have built a relationship. Now, when I was a young kid, first of all, I grew up in a small community, so there wasn't five or ten barbershops. As a matter of fact, uh, my first years on earth, the barbershop was actually in in the kitchen of a man's home. Mm. But it wasn't so much about just the haircut that you went to. It was the, the, the relationship of the community that was built around that. And now basically, and, 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 and I understand economics, believe me, I do, but now it's one of those things where now, well, I just want to get a haircut and just any anything will do. And it's 30 seconds, or th- I mean, not 30 seconds, 30 minutes in and out and in a conversation and that kind of thing. So, again, you might, you, you, you know, you have to understand where I'm coming from, and that is it's personal involvement, it's the shaking of the hands, and and, um, and 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 that kind of thing because people need to know that you care. And and I got to tell you, when I think of a Don Cornelius or I think of a Robin Williams, I'm amazed at how much caring people did the day after they killed themselves. Imagine what it mm. could have been like had those people been able to actually feel the same love before they did. Who knows? Maybe they would have stayed with us a little longer. I know that's an editorial, but that, but you know, those are the things that keep us going because you will have tough times every day, and it's the people that you're surrounded by that can make can make a difference to help you stay one more day. Hmm. That is true. That's that's very right. That's a very good good point. That's one that we we overlook and especially in, in the profession that I'm in, you know, where I deal with people and I make it my business to deal make it personable. It's not just about you receiving a service and you being out the door. We're gonna talk about some things. I'm gonna learn about your cats. I'm gonna learn about uh your health problems. I'm gonna learn about uh uh your career, you know, and it's gonna be my mission, even if there's a a, a problem uh, that you're facing, you know, it's going to be my problem as well because we're going to talk about it and maybe we can come to a better resolution than what you originally have planned out. That's just how uh, how I think, I guess. But there was a time, you know, like the brother was saying, and I, you know, I, I don't I don't know his age or whatever, but um, apparently, you know, we're not that far apart because, you know, you you did know your barber. You you didn't have medical specialists. You had a family doctor, and they knew, you know, your family's needs. They knew that your brother had this. They knew that your whatever, it was the family doctor. Um, And not only that, but, you know, even the um, Sunday dinner, you know, you sat down if you didn't have dinner any other time, you know, you were going to sit down with the family, say the long prayer, you know, our father, you know, and all of that. Uh, you, you had to do that. That was a time for family to come together. And, and, and the games weren't, um, you know, like they are now. There were things like checkers, 
There were things where you had to be face-to-face, talking to each other. You had to use your mind. And so a lot of times we've allowed, um, I guess, money, uh, maybe a portion of it. I don't know what else we can put it on, but, um, you know, ease or whatever, we've allowed that to get in the way of, 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 of love. And, and, and love can never be substituted, you know. Um, we was talking about the HIV babies or whatever. Um, you know, every time that I have a funeral, one of the things that I'm um, always, I, I have to say it is that, listen, after the phone stops ringing, the cards stop coming, you know, the chicken stops, you know, runs out or whatever, please, 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 don't just keep them in prayer, but somebody stop by and see them. The loneliest time, you know, of a death is after the funeral's over because everybody forgets. It's just like you just said. So, you know, um, along with trust, uh, we've got to include love. In some kind of way, um, we feel like, okay, they showed me some love because they're following me on social media. But I don't care if you got a million followers. I'd rather have somebody shake my hand, look me in my eyes, and say, you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? And we've gotten away from that. And even in business, you know, oftentimes um, business now is done via contract. But there was a time where it was done, you know, with a handshake. With a handshake. You know what? Your word is good enough for me. And uh, and I, I do understand there's legal ramifications. I got that. But at some point, you know, we got to get back to just a firm handshake because that meant something. You know, you know, uh, it does. And, and, and go ahead, go ahead. You know, because biblically it, it talks about um, brothers selling their their situation before a judge. You know, before you go to the judge, you guys should be able to sit down and mediate the situation uh, with someone you trust, if you will. Could be the pastor, could be a mutual friend, could just could be someone who's a wise counsel before it even goes before the law, because if I shake your hand and you shake my hand, there is no law involved. It's just the law of two men. You know what I mean? So, and also to figure, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying as far as social media versus human interaction, uh, when I do business, I'm going to give you the card. I'm not, I don't care about who's following me. I don't care about who's trending, what's trending. I'm going to, face-to-face, hand-to-hand, man-to-man, give you this business card. Because I'm showing you that I took the time, quote-unquote, to come get you, to to seek you out, to make sure I put this in your hand versus a popular trend or fad, which we know they come and go like more frequent than the changing seasons around here. You know what I mean? So if you go and do it personally, and have more humanity involved, that's where the loyalty will, will come in. That's where the love will be shown. And then, too, you know, yep. like on, on the social media front, we touched on that a little bit. You know, we don't allow our son to have social media. He's of age. I think that if he did have it, I think that he would be very responsible with it. Um, but I'm old school. 
and I just feel like um, I don't want to learn anything about you because somebody else has read it or reposted it. Um, I want, you know, whatever good thing or bad thing, whatever happened in your day-to-day, I want you to come home and talk to me about it first. Um, I don't want to be sitting here working and I, I go to read a post about, you know, how how a teacher um, sent you out of class or whatever. I want to be able to hear about your day from you. And it still keeps him communicating with us. And my husband will tell you, every Sunday, as many nights a week as we can, table, we sit, you know, and, and have dinner. And if we say 100 words, one word or no word, we sit. Sometimes it's just loud yelling and food throwing, but we sit as a family at the table um, so that they have that, so that they understand what it means to sit and have a conversation. Not only that, they know that I'm interested in what happened in your day. You know, I'm not going, I don't want to go on and read it. I want you to tell me. I want you to be able to sit and have a conversation with me about it and ask questions if you have any. Um, so we really try to do as much as we can to keep them not uh, shielded or, or not, you know, save him from social media, but to keep him open and, and communicating and try and keep him as grounded in, as, as we can while we have him. Because when he becomes an adult, you know, he's not living here. He, he gets on social media. Um, at that point, he's, he's more than free to do that. But He's going to already be so used to and so programmed to call and saying, hey, here's what happened in my day. We're having a conversation and, and sitting at the dinner table having conversations about it that he's not even going to really care about social media at that point. Well, one of the things well, that's that a, can, can look, you know, obviously anything I say can be validated by, by you know, the Internet kind of thing and, and books and so forth. But one of the things that uh, happened uh, over 60 years ago, uh, AT&T actually came out with a video phone. And it was designed so that people could FaceTime. But the bottom line is that my generation, and from that point for a long time, people did not want to see each other when they were talking. And even today, even though my my granddaughter and grandson both have FaceTime on their phones, and of course they're adults now, I am not. It's nice to see them, but the fact of the matter is, my conversations are much more valuable when I am just having a conversation with them, as opposed to having a conversation face to face. Mm -hmm. And and so I will all I all for the most part, unless they just have something they want to show me or whatever. Uh, our conversations are always just a conversation, as opposed to FaceTiming and that kind of thing. And 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 again, I I, I still say that it's the personal touch that makes the difference. And mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I'll always believe that because I've lived long enough to see that that life is a circle, not a straight line. And so many of the things that we are now discovering. Um, you know, they've already been discovered. And, and, and I'll give you one example. When I was a kid, uh, one of the, the number one products would, that was used for hygiene was baking soda. Well, if you look at like, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 35 to 40% of all toothpaste on the market today, the number one ingredient is baking soda. <laughs> baking soda and peroxide, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So, once again, go stick to the original plan. Stick to the foundation. You may go off and, and have a house or home of your own, but nothing is like going back to the big house. Mm-hmm. Big house being grandmama house or the parents' house or the house that which you was raised in to where all your tutelage in life came from. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, and to that end, and as you know, I'm, I'm a capitalist, and, and I believe that ownership is key. And one of the things that uh, we as a nation and particularly people of color have gotten away from is ownership. And, and um, I made a, a comment the other day about how, uh, and I don't have any problem, you know, with, with apartment living and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, there ought to be something you even if you live in an apartment down in Buckhead, you ought to own a house or two someplace and having someone else live in it and pay you rent. Um, you know, I think having fancy cars and, and all of that is nice, but you need to own something of value. If you want people to respect you, they look at they People oftentimes can't hear what you're saying because they're watching what you're doing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and think about when people are arrested nowadays. In most cases, most African American black people, the first thing that they, the bail bondsman, wants you to do is put one of the only things you have up, and that's your house. Yeah. And 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 sometimes it, it's for, uh, for for nothing. And and I've watched situations in my own family where. It was a, a $65 traffic ticket, and by the time it got resolved, it was $5,000. And and I know that sounds absorbent, but, but if you know some people who have just ignored tickets and gotten arrested and had to go to court and hire lawyers and all that, it doesn't take long to rack up $5,000. And, and so we've got to start focusing on, on ownership and and there's, and and there's something about this immediate gratification thing that if we again, I go back to you know I look at how much people nowadays, as a percentage of their income, pay to upgrade. And I'll and I'll try to make this my probably my last comment, but give an example. Uh, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of about uh, 35 to 40 billion dollars worth of Apple products that are in the desk drawers, the garages, and so forth. Of first of people who bought Apple products because it's only been in the last couple of years that people who owned Apple phones or Apple products ever traded them in. They just threw them and upgraded what they had and kept going. And so the, as the estimated cost of, of an iPhone over the lifetime of a kid 13 years old is over $350,000. Mm. And that's fine as long as you are buying a home and you got some place to live and, and that kind of thing. And that's not what's happening. You know, I had a guy come to me. He he, and you may find this funny. I find it funny, and I find it sad at the same time. He came to me. He says, he says, quick man, I'm about to buy this. Uh, I want to test you over Maserati. I said, you did? I said, uh, good for you. And he's like, yeah. You know, I said, you still working over there at such and such? He was like, yeah, I'm still over there. And I'm like, you going to buy a Maserati? That was my thoughts. I was like, 
you renting a chair, but you're going to buy a Maserati. And then I say, you still live over? He'd be like, yeah, I still live over. I say, so you rent your house, rent a chair, and you're going to buy a Maserati. That doesn't make sense. Before you go and do a large purchase like that, you at least want to have ownership in something. That way it makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like, like ownership in the Maserati dealership. <laughs> <laughs> like that. But he, he didn't understand that, that concept. Uh, he had to look on his face like, you know, yeah, but I have a Maserati, and you don't know what you're talking about. And I was just floored. I was floored. But well, I, I, I want to thank you. I will tell you, I will tell Please, you what I've told you. Associate minds that have Maseratis and Lamborghinis in rush hour traffic in Atlanta. I drive my old car, and you just like me. You just got a five hundred thousand dollar car, and you just stuck in traffic too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. As long as you hide the tracks and you uh, keep the water in the, from, from hitting you directly in the head, I think you're all right. That's what I was taught. But, but I now, think that I want to think. The other thing, quick, though, I think that part of the problem is we see ourselves as owning things in this world. And I hope Pastor's still on, I, but you don't ever own anything. You are just a caretaker of it while you have it. If something happens to you, I assure you, somebody else will pick it up and they will own it. Well, you got to be a good steward over whatever is lent to you. You should be. I agree. You should be. But if you don't have any skin in the game and you don't respect yourself, you are not going to respect your property either. Hmm. So in, in, in essence, you got it. In order for you to to complete, you got to have invested yourself, if you will. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You should never have someone else care more about you than you care about yourself. Now, there's one exception to that is, and that is, mothers always care more about their children than the children care about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true. I wasn't true. being disrespectful. I was just being true. No, no, you're right. You're right. But I want to take this time to thank everybody. Uh, Marshall, he had to make a, a drastic exit. Uh, some came up. We want to thank him as well. Uh, Mr. Thompson, I would like to thank you. Uh, you shed a lot of light on us young people. Um, the Mrs., I thank you. Pastor, thank you. Uh, and I love each and every one of y'all dearly, man, because we need each other. And like Pastor always says, you know, we need to to love. That's the foundation. That's what we started out doing before we started out sweeping, before we started, you know, protecting our bodies from other people <laughs> looking at us and eating from other people's houses. It was all love and that's what we got to go back to i think that's the foundation is love and we can build on that and we can take over and come back to greatness in humanity if we just kept the love in play um 
So I thank y'all, and I love each and every one of y'all. Pastor, would you please uh, pray us home, please? Yes, sir, no problem. Lord, thank you so much for um, the topic tonight, for all of the um, words of wisdom, for all the words of truth. Uh, God, it was so enlightening. Uh, I'm just certain that somebody was motivated tonight to be uh, a better uh, you. I just believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, someone heard something that says, you know, I can do better. You know, Lord, there's nothing stopping us from being our very best. We've got to make up in our mind. Let me go back to my foundation. Let me live truth. Let me treat people the way I want to be treated. And let me invest in myself. And, God, if we can do those things, we'll see our world begin to change, and then we'll begin to see the world around us begin to change. But help us understand that it starts with with all of us. It starts with our mentality, our mindset. Thank you for the words of wisdom that was on here tonight, and I pray that you will just uh, bless these brothers and sisters beyond measure. I know, God, that you never told us you're going to give us money, but you did tell us you give us the ability to get wealth. And part of that ability is reading a book, sharing with another brother, you know. And God, help us to just get back to what works, face-to-face, hand-to-hand, loving one another, trusting one another, and doing what uh, you require of all of us. Bless this line, God. Bless this blog talk. And may it reach folk that we may never meet personally, but may it reach them also. You're going to get all the glory, but I know we're going to get the benefit. Thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I will see y'all or talk to y'all next week, same time, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Until then, be safe, be well, and love each other.